welcome everybody in the off the ball network fandom and beyond to your usual monday night affairs your favorite hockey and baseball topic covering podcast in the sports media landscape today it is the bunts and bruises podcast here on the off the ball network live on facebook right now on twitter and on our youtube as well and as always you're two again i hope we're two of your favorite hosts at this point i certainly hope at least you were your favorites when it comes to the respective sports but it is the as proclaimed by my partner in crime here the Iceman of the off the ball network the nhl guru as they all love to call me i shall not i'm technically calling myself this but i will not claim the names i just let the boys call call me that it is jerk coming at you guys ready to break down some hockey today i am excited about all the hockey news that's been breaking up but of course a lot of stuff happened in the baseball world and as always joining me with it the master gm when it comes to baseball talk the the mike I, i've called him the mike trout i've called him the shohei otani of this show you know i might i, I gotta think of more i gotta call this man one of the best of all time he's the babe roof of the show probably too my partner in grunt and james barcia jerk you can't be like my friend calls me the ice man own it you're the ice man that's it say it's me the ice man let them know you're here we're here but of course i'm excited as you guys could tell uh coming into the show just dying of laughter jerk funny guy you are but regardless like jerk said there's a lot going on this week Spent craziest trade deadline possibly the best trade deadline ever because it was the most movement i've seen in god knows how long it historically statistically might have been the most moves because me and jerk were here trying to figure out what trades to break down and which ones to mention there was just so many going on that we wasn't said, easy we, gotta, <laughs> we had easy. to cut it off like two days before the actual deadline we're like all these moves we can't talk about all of them we'd be here for the next five hours which we would love to do guys but you know we well, gotta hold, hold on which one of us has the editing software after this let's let's think about that for a second yeah, well i would love to do it so <laughs> but regardless guys you already know how it is we are here we're winning Make sure to check out my bookie because my bookie matches up to 50% of your first deposit and up to $1,000. That's the largest bonus in the industry. It's the highest credit card acceptance rates, fast 48-hour payout processing because, you know, everyone wants to get their money quick, jerk. I ain't here waiting a week to get my money. I want it now. Uh, when you do that, guys, like I said, you get up to 50% on your first deposit, up to $1,000 when you use promo code off the ball. Once again, that's promo code off the ball, and let's win big. Remember to do that. All right, guys, come on. And speaking of winning big or potentially losing big, NHL free agency began days ago, ladies and gentlemen, and already very quickly we have teams that have spent a good amount of cash. I will say right off the bat before I kind of leave it to you, James, and any reactions you may have before I dive into everything, I was kind of surprised that some of the contracts that were actually given out uh, early in free agency so far, I think the biggest thing to note about, I think you're going to hear this on a lot of, if you listen to a lot of hockey podcasts, I hope this one, of course, being number one, that I think a lot of people are going to be shocked at some of the money that's been thrown around. Because I think in a year where with salary cap stagnation uh, because of COVID, as well as next season, I don't think next season there's going to be a lot of movement in the cap at all. I think it's probably going to just stay around this, uh, the current 81 and a half. Maybe at best it goes to 82 and a half maybe 83 if we're dreaming, but I, I don't see a big increase for next year as well. There wasn't a lot of high expectations going into this for big contracts to be handed out. And there were quite a few that were given as kind of expected. There's always going to be contracts handed out to guys, of you know, pretty good cap hits, but just a few players here and there. Like I think in a few situations, people saw these you know moves and were like, really? He got that much. Huh? Okay. Didn't expect that this year. A lot of guys probably, I'm sure people thought it was going to be some more bridge deals, but Hey, when the money's thrown right at you, you go after it, James. Like that's one thing we've always learned in free agency. It, it doesn't matter what everyone around you is saying. If 
if I hand you a contract and I'm paying you X amount of money a year, like $4 million a year, it doesn't matter what other people say about you. You're like, I'll take the deal. Thank you very much. So that, that that's one thing I could say about free agency so far. Uh, James, any reactions you've had from free agency? Uh, from what I could see, because what I remember you telling me back in a couple episodes, you know, if you guys want to check it out, episode four, episode five, somewhere around there. But regardless, uh, from what I'm seeing here, Jurgis, there was a lot of actually, if I'm counting right, once again, I'm not wearing my glasses. There was five actual contracts that were six or seven years handed out. And from what I remember, you said contracts don't really get handed out like that anymore. So what what about this year made them hand out all those long-term contracts? Because aside from those five, you're seeing a lot more two, one, couple fours, not really. Yeah, so the thing with long-term deals is just a thing that teams like to do where in certain situations, in case the player becomes really good during the course of the contract, you want to have them on a very manageable cap number during the course of the deal. So that's one thing. But then moving on from that, a couple of this, So let me go specifically on just this one deal real fast before I talk about the real winners and losers. Uh, Blake Coleman with the Calgary Flames, I believe, signed a six-year deal worth what uh, i believe 4.9 million dollars it was about five so about a six-year 30 million dollar contract is what he got a very very pretty penny and honestly not the only tampa bay lightning bottom six player that got a deal like that barclay goudreau whose rights were traded to the rangers before the draft he got a six-year deal from the rangers as well worth something along the lines of like 20 million dollars like 20 something million dollars for him as well i forget the exact number it was like it was between 20 to 24 mil i apologize for that range i just can't remember the exact number off the top of my head i'm gonna pull it up don't you worry copy this has become a thing in recent years with teams like they love offering these bottom six players big contracts so i guess from that perspective so yes goudreau and coleman were two of the guys and then a couple of the things, like one thing that behooves a lot of teams is just signing guys to long-term deals. So the Edmonton Oilers did that with Zach Hyman. The, I'm going to go in a little bit more detail in just a few moments here about the Colorado Avalanche, but Colorado gave Gabriel Landeskog, the captain, a eight-year extension. They actually, this is a, a thing recently where they are they were the only team allowed to offer Landeskog an eight-year deal because obviously that was they were the team that drafted him and had him before. No team in free agency could have offered him eight. I think the max that they could have given is seven. I, this was a new thing that was implemented quite a while ago i don't think it definitely wasn't in the recent collective bargaining no it was even way before that so that that's essentially what the what the deal is there so that's why when it comes to the long-term deals when i when i i feel i could be wrong here but i want to say when i went back when we think back to what i was talking about before i was probably talking about like an Ilya kovalchuk or duncan key for a marion hosa contract like those contracts were like 12 years 13 years 11 years Alex Ovechkin, he he re-signed with the Capitals this offseason. He just came off of what I think was it was definitely a, at least a decade-long deal, if not more. So that those kinds of deals we're not going to see in the NHL ever again. But these kinds of deals, the, the six-year deal, the seven-year deal, the eight-year deal with uh, teams wanting to retain their guys, that's more than likely going to be happening. It was just maybe this year I was a little bit surprised because, uh, again, in just some of these team situations, like I don't think seven years, like that's a lot of term with these guys. And we've seen in recent free agency classes as well, James, like this isn't just something I'm projecting ahead. We've seen in recent free agency years, you give out these long deals. It comes back to bite you real quick. Like some of these guys that got these six, seven, eight year deals, they're not going to see the entire contract. They're just not. So, uh, Barclay Goudreau, you were close jerk. It was, uh, if not right on the money, he was six years, no pun intended, six years, 21 mil. 22 mil it was more higher of a 21 and a half mil so 20 hey, but, but between 20 to 24 so smack that, them in the middle there you it. go right there <laughs> boom that's the average but 
So that makes a lot more sense. And yeah, we've seen it. Isn't that what happened with uh, P.K. Subban and the Devils? His contract kind of tied them up. That's why they kind of want to get rid of him. Yeah, is I mean, they were ultimately able to still make moves in free agency. Just I'm not going to mention this ultimately, but Dougie Hamilton got a very rich contract from the New Jersey Devils. I believe seven years, $63 million for $9 million a year uh, average cap hit. P.K. Subban, like this contract that stems from when he was in Montreal back when he signed it. And Montreal moved him, Nashville moved him, and now New Jersey's trying to move him. Like again, th- this is why I talk about some of these deals because these guys they they just don't age well. Like look at the Shea Weber deal. Shea Weber may be retiring because of injuries, not seeing the whole contract through. Zach Parise and Ryan Suter were bought out. Like it's just these contracts just ah man. Like you, you're you're playing you're playing with with some fire with signing these long term deals, James. You really are. Sounds like your neighbor else I was playing with some fire, but of course you were. <laughs> All right, jerk. But speaking of playing with fire, you had some people who played with fire and they got a little burnt. Those are the losers. But of course, you had some people who are able to rise from the ashes, get that W, and they took care of their chickens and got some bread. So tell me, Jerk, who were the f- winners of free agency this year? So my three winners, I will just say this, all my winners and losers are teams. I could have gone into specific players, but I didn't feel like that was necessary because I feel like a lot of the for the most part, winners and losers on some of these are going to kind of match, except for some situations. So we're going to skip straight to the winners really fast. The first winner I have, the expansion, Seattle Kraken. They did pretty good in the draft, doing pretty good in free agency as well. Uh, I really like the signings of Jane Schwartz and Alex Wenberg to those two contracts that they signed. Uh, $5.5 million average for Schwartz for, I believe it's five years, and then Wenberg, $4.5 million average for him for three years. Uh, Wenberg's coming off a career year for in terms of goal scored. So they're going to hope that he can continue that with some of the forwards that they brought in. I think Wenberg can definitely have this kind of season again. He could put up some like 30, 40 point seasons in a Seattle Kraken uniform. So that's pretty good. And with what he showed last year, a potential 20 goal score, maybe in a full 82 game season, which is not half bad for four and a half mil season. Same with James Schwartz, consistently a 20 goal score. I think he's had five 20 goal seasons in his career, but he got hurt last season a lot. Wasn't great for him. Wants to leave St. Louis and gets that contract for Seattle. But the jewel of the Kraken free agency was the Philip Grubauer contract. Now, funny enough, actually, there was a headline yesterday that probably scared some Kraken fans for a second. The NHL deemed the Philip Grubauer deal invalid. They did not approve of it because of the base salary in year three. It is too high up in it compared to what the base salary is in year one. This was a new thing in the collective bargaining agreement back in 2020. The salary in certain years can only go a certain percentage over other years when it comes to front-loaded deals because they signed Grubauer to a front-loaded contract. So because of this, it doesn't mean Grubauer is necessarily a free agent again. It actually doesn't mean that at all. It just means Seattle needs to fix up the deal, which they've already have. I think I saw something saying they've already given in the paperwork to be reassessed. So Philip Grubauer is essentially going to be a Seattle Kraken. And man, what he does for that team in terms of helping the goaltending situation, they're immediately going to have, he was a Vesna Trophy candidate last season. Stats he put up a save percentage of over 92%, a goals against average of 1.95. That is phenomenal. Even if he's just a little bit worse than that this season. Him and Chris Drieger being the backup now, that's a outstanding one-two punch. And even though this isn't free agency, so I'm not counting it right now, but when I eventually do a whole off-season review, which that'll come, don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, because there would be more teams on both sides if I was including the whole offseason so far, including the trades here. With Grubauer and Drieger, they were actually able to get a future second-round draft pick by trading Videk Vanacek back to the Capitals. So, you know, a, a little bit. You got a starting goalie you who was going to be your starter, now is your backup, which is nice, and you traded what who was going to be your backup for a second-round pick. That's pretty good, if you ask me. So Seattle, 100% winning free in free agency so far. 
100 percent uh next team i have your vegas golden knights james there you I go love, baby i love what they've done this offseason not a lot of people are talking about it enough and i don't know why they re-signed matthias janmark who they got at the trade deadline to just a one-year deal of two million dollars exceptional for a guy who put up eight points in 16 playoff games in their run in this past postseason so i think that was great i think he's going to be a key contributor there moving forward and i think he in a full season with Vegas, it's come a little bit of time, but he showed out really well in the playoffs. He could put up like 30 points or so on this team. Like he could potentially be a player that Vegas, they look to try to get him down long-term come next offseason. The next deal that they had, Alec Martinez, they were able to keep him after trading away Marc-Andre Fleury. I don't think we'll have enough time to really get into detail with that this week, maybe at the end of the winners and losers, but I poor Fleury. Like I really do feel bad for him. Vegas, you don't, you did him dirty. Like, let's just say you did him really dirty. So that was really screwed up on the their end, but it cleared the cap hit. You, you take $7 million off the books. You're able to keep Martinez for a $5.25 million cap hit over three years. Very nice. Rounds out the blue line. Perfect signing. And then for backup, because now Robin Lehner is the starter. You signed Laurent Brissot, one of the best backup goalies in the game, honestly. I really loved what he was doing for Winnipeg whenever they would uh, bench, well, not bench, but not start Connor Hellybuck. And I think him and Laner are going to be very good right there. The Pacific Division is weak. Vegas, they only had to do a few things here and there. Well, I think there's one more deal I hope they make. This is a phenomenal free agency. Not a lot of people are giving them winner status. I've even seen one or two people call them a loser. I don't think they're a loser here. I really don't. Uh, James, you had something you want to say real quick? Yeah, why are you so upset about how, what Vegas did a flare? You should be, you're a winner in free agency here, Jerk. He said he was coming to play, didn't he? It's just from his perspective, like he wanted to stay in Vegas. He wanted to retire there. Someone in the front office in Vegas, like a year ago or so, like they told Flurry he's going to retire as a Vegas Golden Knight and they just ship him off. Like that, yeah, that's all I'm saying. That, that's sports. Be happy. He's on your team. That's it. Celebrate. You just won the goalie of the year. I'm player first. So thank you very much. But hey, Flurry, let's go, baby. Chicago. Um, <laughs> Last Chicago reference for the show, hopefully. And my final winner is the Boston Bruins. So from a mention of original 16 to an original 16 that actually won in for agency, they did such a phenomenal job addressing the bottom six. Nick Foligno, Eric Howla, and Thomas Nosek, all three of them on multi-year contracts that just, it they have, I would argue the Bruins now have one of the best bottom sixes in the NHL. Those three guys all provide something different. A little bit of two-way game with Nosek, primarily defensively. Howla, I think he could be a 20, 30-point player. And Nick Foligno, veteran, hard-nosed, collects some hits. Very feel-good story with Foligno, by the way. His daughter, actually, she had two surgeries at the Boston Children's Hospital to actually, like, ultimately save her life and for the Felinos to be able to have a family. And so that's one of the reasons why he wanted to go to Boston. He said himself, like he's felt he's always had an emotional connection to Boston since then. So very feel good right there. The Bruins blue line gets pretty good with Forbert and Riley to matching three-year deals, $9 million. And then they kept Taylor Hall, James. That was my big thing. Would Taylor Hall stay with Boston? He does four years, $24 million. I think that's a really good contract for him. He put up 14 points in 16 games with them when he got traded. And in the playoffs, he could have done a little bit better, but still three goals in 11 games. Could have been worse. Could have, again, been better. But I'll take it, especially with what he showed in the regular season. I think Taylor Hall is going to be a nice piece going forward. And because of that, Bruins are my big winner. Yes, they lose David Krejci, but at least he's not going somewhere else. He's just going, well, he's technically going somewhere else. He's going to the Czech Republic to finish out his hockey career. And that's how it is. But yeah, I have the Boston Bruins as a winner. You know, Ultimately, it sounds like my Vegas Golden Knights were the best winners. They were the ones you got more excited by. I saw the glitter in your eye, Jerry. You were just you you knew it. You knew it deep in your heart. You wanted to make them number one, but you couldn't because you you just knew I was gonna get too excited. But regardless, now that I'm sad, let's talk about the teams who are sad due to free agency because clearly they just weren't as great as all these other teams you just named. 
So I have a couple teams here, and I'm going to just run through them. My number, one, my first loser is the Colorado Avalanche. Yes, despite the fact that they kept uh, Captain Gabriel Landeskog to his contract, which if we're going individually, he's a winner. Eight years at $56 million. That's a pretty nice deal for him to get in what is probably going to be the last contract of his career. Like, I understand the idea that people would have wanted him to stay with Colorado. I really, really do. But I wouldn't have been upset. And I don't think most Avs fans would have been upset if he had uh, eventually left uh, this offseason, really, because I just think it, it kind of felt like time. Like, this team, they need to address other contracts, these upcoming seasons i'm just not a fit like i like landis cog don't get me wrong physical captain of course he's been the captain i think since his rookie season if i'm not mistaken maybe not his second year like he was a captain at, at like a very young age of like 19 20 years old there's a very small list of guys who are captains before the age of 20 21 and he's on that list so he's a good player but i i just think like th- there was room to let him go they could have done more they could have kept philip grubauer who ended up leaving and my thing is that a 5.9 million dollar cap hit how do you not do what you can to keep Grubauer. Just that was a massive loss, and then you have to overpay to get Darcy Kemper there. I just didn't like it, so I have to give them the loss there. And also losing Brendan Saad, by the way, that's a big loss for them too. I think Saad. I think if he had been able to stay one more year, it would have been pretty good. I think Colorado would have been nice this year, but losing him, it doesn't help at all. It does not. But a bigger loser than them, the Pittsburgh Penguins. This is simply due to the fact that that goalie situation is still god awful. Uh, Tristan Jari is not a starting goalie in this league. Casey DeSmith is a backup which the problem is, is that in the Pittsburgh Penguins situation, he kind of has to be the one, it's 1A, 1B between them right now. Neither guy is a 1A. Like, it's straight up. It's pretty obvious when a goalie can become a starter. Neither of these guys can become a starter. So that is just a terrible situation in Pittsburgh right now, the fact that they weren't able to do anything. I would have given them a W, even though I'm saying this is for ages. I'd have given them a W if they had gone after John Gibson in a trade. Like, I'm just willing to do that for this team to actually get a starting goalie there. They're trying to be a contender once again in the final years of Sidney Crosby's career not looking like it right now the goalie situation is bad they have five defensemen with four million dollar cap hits or more on the team right now no contending team has that some may have guys at like five million some like have a couple guys at three million no contending team not Vegas not Colorado not the not even the Montreal Canadiens who made the Stanley Cup finals have got have four, uh, five players with four million dollar cap hits or more on the blue line so that's just terrible so yeah Pittsburgh loser and my last loser the Carolina Hurricanes, what are you doing? Like, Dougie Hamilton leaving. I get it because ultimately they were only going to offer him $7 million a year, I think was the report that I saw. And New Jersey offered him $9 million a year. So obviously he's going to take that way more money with Jersey. But the goalie situation, you trade. I don't, like I said, I'm sorry. I know I said free agents. I don't care. You traded Nedeljkovic, great young goalie, for the fact that he wanted just $3 million a year. And the most you were going to pay him was one5 so you train Nedeljkovic, you let Mirage go. I think his cap hit this year is 3.8. And you bring in Fred, Freddie Anderson and Jonathan Bleeping Bernier, I think, is the other starter. It's him or Reimer. I forget. But I confuse my past Toronto Maple Leafs goalie sometimes. I apologize. But which I don't care which one they got. You are currently spending, I believe, fact check me here, James. I think the current cap hit on their goalies is about $6.5 million per season for the next two years. If you had kept Mirajic and Nedeljkovic, the cap hit between the two of them, based off of their deals that they signed, would have just been $6.8 million. That's only $300,000 more that you need to spend. By the way, Carolina has $11.5 million of cap space still, right around there. So the fact that they didn't want to keep the better goaltending duo for $300,000 more a year, it's an absolute joke. So... Ultimate loss to the Carolina Hurricanes right there. Just, I'm sick of it. I really, really am. The Hurricanes, like, 
I always say this, when you want to take that next step, you need to show something in the offseason that's like, okay, this team, maybe they could take that next step, jump to that next level, and they are going to become, you know, a, a conference final contender. No, 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 no. This is the reason why you've lost in the semifinal round two straight years in a row. And it's why Tampa beat you in five. And I think Boston, they beat you in five the year before. And then the year before, they swept you guys out the playoffs. This is why you lose so easily to those teams. Because these kinds of moves just show me you, you're not good enough and you don't want to be good enough at all. So, yeah. Ultimate loss, Carolina. They Their offseason just really frustrated me. Tell them how you really feel, Jerry. That's why I love to hear. <laughs> you, just, you just hear the frustration in your voice. So, uh, Frederick and Anderson, because you know I can't say any of these names. He's making four and a half mil this year, and yep. Anti Rata is. Oh making my two bad! Mil. It's Anti Ranta actually. Okay, I was Ranta. horribly wrong by me. I apologize, Anti Ranta. But st- okay, he's a good backup. But again. You could you could have just kept Nadelkovich. Like this is my problem. You could have saved money. Like oh, I don't know. I don't know, dude. It's. I mean, they it, from what I the little bit I know, it doesn't seem like it seems like they're a good regular season team, but they're not a postseason team because they're not picking the right goalie. Because First, as you've yeah. told me many times before, Jerk, a goalie is everything in the postseason. It takes you all the way. Look at Carey Price. So seems like they just gotta go ahead and figure it out there in Carolina, but. They're cheap. Like, this is the ultimate issue of the Carolina Hurricanes. They're a cheap team that they're only going to pay you what they feel you should be paid. And if you think you are you deserve more, they're just going to let you go. And, hey, good on Nadelkovich for wanting more and not, you know, backing down and getting $3 million a year from Detroit. Steve Eiserman, by the way, he's winning the offseason. You know, good for Kenneth and his Red Wings. And Mirajic getting a two- or three-year deal with Toronto worth $3.8 million a year. Those Those are good contracts for them. Again, Carolina, like you, you could have kept one of them. Like you could have let Anderson go. You could have kept those guys. I just I don't understand it. They 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 have a chance here. Tampa's I don't want to call them weaker, but they're not the same. Tampa's vulnerable slightly for the time being. And you do nothing to try to challenge them. That's what gets me annoyed. Like I think Tampa's I, right now, if I had to pick a winner, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think Tampa repeats it, at least in the East already. They're going to three-peat the Eastern Conference. They're repeating. I said it. They're three. My Tampa Bay Lightning is going to three-peat. I said no. the moment the finals ended. At least, at least the East. I can say this confidently for the East. They're three-peating the Eastern Conference, no doubt, because no Eastern Conference team, aside from Boston, did anything to me that'll challenge them in the playoff series. They just, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, I had such good, like, high hopes in this offseason. Like, some of these teams, it just gets me annoyed, bro. It just really gets me annoyed. I mean, hey, man, you know, it's in, it's in all the sports. We've seen it everywhere. Just some teams, they never learn. Like, the Jet, let's look at the Jets, for example. They were just stretching out Zach Wilson's contract for what, though? There's zero reason for them to stretch it out. Just, you know, get the kid on the field, practice, get the snaps in, get practice going, because there's only 20 days of practice before the first preseason game. So by missing two days, he already missed 10% of his season in OTAs. So it's just, you. It, it's uh, it's in the culture. Like, look at my Mets. We got Kumar Rocker today. I'd be insane not to mention this. You got the kid who got drafted 10th overall in the first round by my New York Metropolitans. And unfortunately, they did not sign him. He missed the signing deadline uh, due to the fact that there were some issues in his physical. Doctors had question marks about his elbow. Some rumors out there. Don't know what's substantial and what's not because they are just rumors. But some rumors say some teams did know about this, which is why he fell down the 10th. It makes a little sense, but I'm, I'm not sure. You know, people talk crazy. But regardless, it's kind of insane that you're it, telling me the New York Mets have the audacity to not pay the kid because he has like a little elbow thing. Yet they're still well, no, paying Bobby Bonilla to this point. Come well, on now. Well, 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 well. First of all, first of all, I understand why they didn't pay the kid because well, one, 
it was six million dollars. That's it's it's a little pretty penny right there. But he, he wanted it, he wanted the whole he wanted the full six. If he wanted three, then maybe. But the more important thing than that, my fellow friend, is they get a compensation pick next year. They get the eleventh overall pick. So I mean, you save the six mil and you get the eleventh pick. So you get two first round picks next year. How can you argue that? You know, it's I get the point. The kids back in the draft pool. Maybe they were right. Maybe they were wrong. Who knows? You know, it's it's all questionable. Also, what I read was there is a uh, MRIs that go around pre-draft. It's uh, all if you want to do it or not. Uh, usually, the top picks do not do it, but by bypassing these MRIs, all these these MRIs get sent to all the teams in all the league. If you're going to be a high draft prospect, you don't do it because you just don't want your medical records out there. Right. You're, uh, you know. Not only that, if there is a little something, even if it's not major, there's teams that are going to know that about you. And you know how sports is. You take advantage of everything you can. Yeah. But regardless. So it's for Kumar Rocker, the fact that he didn't do that activated this loophole for the Mets where if they didn't sign him and he didn't bypass these MRIs, they would have been forced to pay him at least 70% of his contract, no matter what, even if they didn't sign him. But due to the fact that he bypassed these MRIs, they actually have owe him nothing, which is exactly why they get the compensation pick without having to pay for anything. Solely for the fact that if he if he wasn't, it's kind of crazy here, because if he wasn't as good as he is, he would have taken those MRIs and he would have got his slotted six million for him. Well, he would have not made as much because he got picked later, but. He still would have come out with something. This is it's kind of a heartbreaking moment for the kid. You got to feel for him. Even Marcus Stroman said it. He actually tweeted out, which I'm indifferent about how I feel about it because you know you really don't want to see one of your starting pitchers talking about inside you know issues. You want to keep it all tucked in. Right. But what you know, I I do feel for the family because you think you're about coming to some generational wealth, perhaps. You know, yeah. your kid's about to make six million out of nowhere, and now you just. You end up with nothing. He's going to go back to Vanderbilt, though. He's going to show that, hey, if he could do what he did this year, which was like 179 Ks and like 122 innings, some ridiculous like that, under low 2 ERA, if not under 2 ERA, if he could come here and repeat that, he's going to go number one. I don't see how he doesn't go number one next year. It's not a surprise to me, honestly, to hear that something in baseball regarding young players trying to get their money, like it ends up screwing over the kid. It just really doesn't surprise me. Like, again, this is for a future show that we're going to do this summer, but the idea of how many years it takes for a guy to be a pure free agent and have to deal with arbitration and team control is the dumbest thing in the world. Like some of these guys don't get to free agency until they're 29, 30, 31. And at that point it's like, well, I don't know if we want to pay you. Well, let them be free agents earlier. So, like, that's just I have a, I have a hate hate relationship with how baseball does a lot of its internal stuff, really. But when it comes to an organization being good, you know what is a organization, a group that is actually excellent with what they do, James? It's the Off the Ball Network, and of course, as part mm-hmm. of the Off the Ball Network, we are here. We are just about ready now, transitioning over from our NHL talk. We talked a little bit of baseball just now, or yeah, just a little bit to give you give you all a taste. It is the appetizer to the main course of today, which is when we go over the MLB trade deadline. We are going to give our judgments, see who got what, see who went where, and ultimately, you know, just how the teams go out, who built up for a playoff run and a World Series run, potentially, who ended up rebuilding, confirmed a certain team listens to the show. And, of course, we could not do this. Of course, I'm pretty decent with baseball, and I have the dawn of baseball with me, so this was going to be great. But we, we got to bring in a little extra firepower. You know, we need to bring in a guy that 
knows his stuff when it comes to baseball. He's a big baseball fan. He returning to our show, just finished hosting the off the ball network, NBA free agency frenzy talk that we had here on the network just literally moments ago. Uh, this is one of the best guys in the sports media business has built what is a, a slow burgeoning empire. Think of Rome in its younger days before it became the, uh, the empire that it was. But one of the best guys, uh, one of our favorite, one of everyone's favorites. We, know- yeah, you guys know him. You guys love him. The reason that we are here, the president of the Off the Ball Network, Chris LeBron. What's going on, guys? Happy to be on. Hell of an intro. You know, it, it, what Jerk just said, it, it kind of hit me because he was like, "The reason we are here." And you really are the reason we we said it last time you were here, Prez. But we, me and Jerry, would have never met if it wasn't for you. So it really hits when he says something like that. But we're happy to have you back for the second time. You know, the first you were the first, and personally, I think the best getting to know you guys so far. Sorry, guys, Stephen, you did great, but I know. But regardless, Prez, glad to have you back, especially after such a crazy trade deadline. I was just telling Jerry moments ago. I think it might have been personally the busiest and like the most transactions ever in MLB history. It, it was wild, especially for my Yankees and all that. But, you know, before I get into it, there was something about you two that I was like, I got to put them together. Just got to put them together. It just felt in my soul. I think I, I talked about it with the other guys, with, with Mo, Steve and Jeff. And I was like, I feel like they're meant to be together. Like it, it was just, it was, I had to put them together, and then we, we got it going, and then it, it's been poetry in motion ever since. You guys have killed it. So, you know, uh, I'm not going to toot myself too much because you guys have put in the work, but I'm happy that we, we made it happen, and, and uh, we were able to get you two together, and it's been uh, it's been money since, and you guys have been killing it. So, you know, uh, that that's definitely dope. Hey, you definitely deserve the credit for putting us together. Like, it, it... – it, it takes an eye, honestly, like it, it kind of the same thing with sports. Like when it, it's that, you know, X factor, that it factor, it's like, yeah. what makes you think like this prospect is going to rise above where you're picking them and what makes them special or what makes yeah. you think you can pick up this player and they'll do fine. Like what mm-hmm. makes you think you look at two guys? It's like, all right, how, how can they work together? Well, and I, li- yeah, I like to think right. you, you honestly, you scored a hat trick, a 100% safe percentage on a given game, hey, hit a grand slam, listen. everything. I've had my fair shares of misses, right? I got some busts that, you know, we've had through. But, you know, I like to think that I uh, have a solid eye for talent. You know, and you you guys have seen the guys have, that have come through the network and we have a nice crew. But um, it, it's, you know, it, there's something that feels right. And I was like, God, let's, let's see what happens. You know, And that's all you can do, right? You just got to see if it works. And if it doesn't, hey, it doesn't. But um you need it's to take risks. You need to take risks, yeah. Chris. Like in life, just generally speaking, you need to even if you even if you scared, you don't know how it's gonna go, just take that risk, take that the, one hey, moment this and whole just thing, go for it. This whole network is a risk. I yeah. took a massive risk. Like I was getting approached by other places that they they had some sweet deals, but I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to just do my own and be my own creative, you know, director and, and produce help produce shows. And I was like let me let, let's just let's just go. If it fails, it fails. But I know I'm going to give it 110 percent. I'm going to have a good team uh, surrounding me to make this work. So it, it's, you know, we're approaching one year, which is pretty cool. You know, one year is man. I didn't think I get past the first few months. I was still like, am right. I, what am I doing? What am I doing? Like trying to figure it out. But hey, 
you know, like I said, keep surrounding myself with great talent and, you know, it's, it's gone great. So uh, I'm always, always happy to talk about the bruises. I just, you guys are one of the, you guys are on, on top of my Spotify playlist, you know, it's definitely a must listen. I'm always listening. If I can't listen to live, I'm always listening to after or on the way to work. You guys have been killing it. So uh, I'm always happy to be on. And we always appreciate the praise from you and everyone at the network. It really does mean a lot. And we will always appreciate the chance that you and the guys, because, of course, it's an executive decision by everyone, you know, to, to give us the opportunity. We always appreciate it. And, you know, now we're talking about decisions here and, you know, putting people together, putting pieces together and let, let's go make a deal at this. Let's talk the trade deadline, fellas. So, James, you are you are the king of this. I'm going to leave it to you. Point the right way this time. Uh, you begin the fire sale. There was a lot of deals. So we got a lot to unpack here. We're going to try to do this as efficiently as we can. I think we're not going to talk about every trade, obviously. James wanted uh, – side, side note, James wanted to try to list every single trade that happened in I like I could have done it. Yeah, I could have done it. It would have it got a little jumbled up. I would have sounded like slot. an auctioneer guy. I would hey, no, 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 five over here. It was so great. I would actually love to hear you as an auctioneer. It was but, wild, the trade deadline. Wild. Yeah, so I think – I really do think that we have narrowed it down. So, like, the main moves that happened for the main teams as well. So, James – I will let you steer the ship, steer the SSBNB into the night on what we're going to do here. What is the first set of deals that you want to talk about in regards to the 2021 MLB trade deadline? I mean, we'd be crazy not to talk about the biggest deal that happened during the trade deadline, and that's Max Scherzer going to the San Diego Pod. Oh, no! Max Scherzer and Trey Turner going to the Los Angeles Dodgers. The rich get richer. I don't understand how they do it. They just continue to make a powerhouse. I don't see how they don't win again. It's, it's really how do they not? Not only did they add Scherzer and Trey Turner, you got Mookie Betts over here playing second base all of a sudden, like he was back in the day. It's Seager's insane. coming back. You know, Ex- they just got Seager back. Exactly. So, and the biggest thing out of this is they actually kept Max Scherzer away from the Padres, and the Padres were just about a Max Scherzer to get back up into the beginning parts of the division. Honestly, with this trade, I think they might actually kind of be out of winning the division. Wild card's still in grass, but they just the Dodgers just blew everyone past a mile. Right now, it's the Dodgers or Tampa Bay Lightning where everyone's just trying to play catch up. What do you think it's about crazy. that, Prez? It, it's crazy because it essentially was a three-team race in the NL West. All three teams, the Giants, mm-hmm. the Padres, and the Dodgers were all in on Max, and all of them needed Max Serger. But I didn't, th- I didn't see the Trey Turner stuff. I didn't hear, wasn't hearing a lot of Trey Turner movement. Because he just got, I think he was just got COVID, right? So I was like, all right, he's probably going to be off the table. And, and I just thought if the Nationals are going to, you know, just blow it up, I think they would, obviously they're going to keep Soto. That's, he's untouchable. And I would think Trey Turner would be a part of that too. But they traded him to the Dodgers and it was just like, and for the Dodgers, they kind of need it. Because listen, the Bauer situation is kind of, mm-hmm. if you, you know, Kershaw is not Kershaw no more. You know, you got Walker Bueller, who's an, uh, was a stud. Well, you kind of need a depth in the starting rotation. So to get Mad Max, like, that's absolutely huge for them. And then you add Turner along with Seager and you got Betts and you just an abundance of, you know, they, they got a squad and they definitely are going to go in as the favorites. And But that division is, that's, that's, that's murderous row. Like, you, the Padres, Giants. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a team that might win – 95 games or something like that 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 might be you know a wild card team 
you know, they could be a uh, hundred games. They could have a hundred wins. Yeah, it's, and, it's how good is in, you know, they, you know, they keep playing Arizona Diamondbacks. They can get to a hundred pretty quick. Yeah, and you Colorado. Know, they've lost like 20 <laughs> in a row. <laughs> Speaking of Colorado, let's talk about the Moose Colorado. Wait, they made none, which makes zero <laughs> sense. I don't understand yeah, the why. Thing, the story thing was something like, I know the Yankees were in on him and a few teams, and it just made, it would make sense to get rid of him. He's a free agent. Mm-hmm. Why not unload him? So now you're going to lose him for nothing because you know he's not coming back. So I, I didn't get that why they didn't unload. I know John Gray was another one that, you know. You hear- and it was almost a done deal, I think, John Gray, too. I forgot yeah. who it was. It was Cincinnati, perhaps? Yeah, it was yeah, somebody yeah it was like something that. like that. But I don't know. With them. I mean, it, it didn't make sense what they what they were doing. But, you know, but, uh, yeah, Story, every, from everyone I'm saying, is like Story is going to be gone. He just this, you know, he's going to be gone because – and it just didn't happen. It doesn't. And I know he's not happy about it. Oh, he's, for sure. He's not. The only happy reason he, the only reason he could semi be happy is he's still in Colorado, which will help add his stats, even though he's not having a great year right now. Because the re- bigger reason he's not happy about it is because if a train traded for him, he would have had all the leverage in the world to push for as much as high that contract he really wanted. Yeah, but now that nobody traded for him, if he doesn't pick it up in this second half of the season. His value is looking at all time low. I mean, there's yeah. going to be someone who's going to pay for it, but realistically, it's like, why am I going to pay all these prospects and then have to extend you to this huge contract when I could just wait for you to hit free agency? So maybe the Colorado Rockies just weren't getting great deals, but still, with him becoming a free agent, you kind of take whatever you could get at that point. Hey, right? That's what I say. Like, you know, you're not retaining him, you're not bringing him back, most likely. So why not? Hey, just get whatever you can. You know, yeah. but I, I don't know. Maybe they were just shooting for the moon and that's what they wanted and they had their price. And if no one obliged to it, they weren't going to get it. So, but they have them and all he can do is, you know, play better baseball in the second half. Like you said, Bars, he didn't have a great first half. And um, just to prove people that he's not a course field guy, because that's always going to be the thing. We saw with Arenado, you know, people thinking he's just, but he, obviously he's a platinum, you know, gold glover. Mm-hmm. Well, he's more than just, but we see with DJ LeMay, right? He went to the Yankees. People were like, sure. Now this year, not the best year for DJ, but he's shown the last two years that he's been more than just a product of Coors Field and got a nice contract. But um, it was almost yeah, the AL MVP. Like, was, <laughs> he was MVP candidate. So. Yeah, he was an MVP candidate. Yeah, it's just, you know, but I didn't, I didn't get the story. I don't want to do it, but. He's still there, so rack up. <laughs> Might as well get you know play good baseball and, and and make sure you know get your money up in the offseason because it's a stacked shortstop class. Right. They should have they should have given the Dodgers a call to see if they were going to be willing to pay. Yeah, they love shortstops. They take. They, <laughs> they don't care if you have two like they, when they have Machado, right? They didn't care yeah. if you have any shortstop with Seager. Like I feel uh, bad for Seager. Seager's like, what's going on? You know, I play shortstop. Like, <laughs> he's had so many injury issues. Like you almost you yeah, really feel bad for the guy. So By the way. Really quick, just to kind of put the finishing touches when it comes to that whole Dodgers conversation. Uh, in that trade specifically, they give up uh, Kybert Ruiz and Josiah Gray, who were their top two prospects in the system. And mm-hmm. also two other pretty good players. Another pitcher was sent the other way, and Donovan Casey ended up being sent to the Nationals. So pre- pretty good haul right there by the Nats when it comes to that. And they also they had traded uh, Kyle Schwarber to the Boston Red Sox for Aldo Ramirez, a 20-year-old right-handed pitcher as well so pretty good honestly by the Nats to replenish things I actually I wanted to tell you Chris I think we can confirm that a professional sports team definitely listens to the podcast because me and James have been tuned in for weeks that the, you know the Nationals have the pieces here obviously Soto stays 
we kind of thought Trey Turner would stay, but so be it. He got moved. But, like, they have the pieces there. There's still Soto, Strasburg. Like, people will still come to watch, but then you could replenish. We've been saying that for weeks now, and clearly Nats management agrees with us. So, like, I mean, you know, I'm still waiting on the D.C. area call. I think James may have gotten it, so, you know, for, for me. But the, the Nats are doing a pretty good job with their rebuilding. Or retooling. Yeah, they are. It's, but it, it's just crazy. Like, just a few years ago, this team was on top of the world and world champions, and now they're, they're retooling. Yeah. But – kudos to them for realizing that right they're not just still mm-hmm. falling in in that couple of years ago they were champions yeah. they understand that you know we haven't been good we weren't good last year but you know we don't got to we don't have the roster to, to compete so to realize hey let's just see what we can get and it's tough training max scherzer because he's been such a vital point to their success throughout the years but they've shown i mean they lost bryce so they've shown that they're willing to do that so you know, they have Soto, Juan Soto, who's an excellent piece, you know, to build around. And I think they can make this quick, a quick turnaround. You know, obviously, they might not be competitive, true, a lot, you know, very competitive in, in the near future. But in a few years, they could retool it and get back to yeah. being, you know, a competitive team. So, uh, Josiah Gray is a heck of a pickup. Yeah, he's, yeah he's, it is. He's quite the pickup. So I, I gotta say, the, the Nats, for what they did, ended up doing pretty good for themselves on that. And the Dodgers, mm-hmm. of course, they picked up those two. Got a poor Danny Duffy. He thought he was going to be the big trade acquisition by the yeah, Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, really, like, just we're not going to touch too much on this, but like, just a lot of relief pitchers got moved throughout the days going up to the deadline. The Astros made a couple trades for some relief pitching. Uh, the Atlanta Braves got one or two relief pitchers on the roster as well as some hitting. The Cardinals went the old man route with Jay Happ and John Lester, and the Giants as well. Tony Watson for them, and the Padres, Daniel Hudson. So, just a lot of teams loading up on relief pitchers guys when you look at it and it kind of makes sense to an extent like james bars you know this you need relief pitching come to playoffs because starters don't go well we i think we've spoken about this on the show before starters don't go seven eight anymore they go five or six and then straight to the bullpen you can never have too many pitchers whether it be starting pitchers whether it be relief pitchers you can never have too many arms in your on your team whatsoever because arms are the quickest things to go they're kind of like the running backs of baseball because you're just throwing, especially nowadays, you're just throwing so hard consistently. Look, at, Let's look at Jacob DeGrom. He was throwing 23 pitches, like, at 100 miles per hour straight. And all these MRIs are saying there's no ligament damage, tendon damage, or nothing. It's just he's throwing so hard, his body's telling him, like, yo, we got to chill a little bit. So, you know, it's you need more arms and you need to spread these innings out because if not, you're going to run these guys real quick. And when your arms are tired going into the postseason, sorry, Prez, I got to mention it, but let's look at the Yankees. The Yankees' bullpen arms last year, they were tired going deep into the bullpen, and that was ultimately their downfall because you can't trust three guys to be uh, 100% every game. That's the biggest issue right there when you have to trust so many bullpen arms because you're trusting three individual guys to finish those last three innings and hoping that they're playing the best baseball when realistically – a pitcher is always going to have a bad day. It's just hopefully you can catch it before it gets worse. Yeah, I mean, and the Degrom stuff is, you know, it, so I'm, I'm like, how does he keep throwing so hard and and like his arms not falling off? Because I think he has the most hundred mile per hour pitches in baseball, and it's not even close. Yeah, he's beating so, everybody by like almost double the amount. Yeah, he's so far ahead of everyone, but like you need pitchers, and and the relief pitchers are probably just as important as have they been. You know, ever because, like you said, guys go four or five innings, you know, <laughs> max. Like, and no, there's no guys complete. Like, I have fantasy baseball league, and I had a whole week, two weeks, 
and no complete games by either one of us. None. <laughs> no complete games. It's like wow, like we're it's just crazy how much baseball's changed where you you need it you need that bullpen. So and bullpen relief is 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 like shooters in the NBA, right? Shooting mm-hmm. jerk, we just talk about free agency, how we're seeing shooters getting ninety million dollars, right? It's crazy, but it's a premium. People like teams really value shooting. Yeah. And it's the same thing with baseball with relievers. Teams need relievers. They need to have, you know, a whole like 10, 11 relievers in the bullpen because guys just don't go, you know, they're not going six, seven, eight, nine strong. It's, it's five and let's go to the bullpen. It's it's crazy how it's changed. And quite a few of those relievers can go like, you know, guys going five, six, they could go. Some of those relievers can go like three innings if need be. And kind of like you said, a lot of them can pitch these 95 mile an hour fastballs now, like 89 mm-hmm. curve, like. The like just the pitching velocity, the speed, and all that is just so different nowadays. It really just goes to show the evolution of baseball. Like, and it, it, this is like it's kind of interesting to to see. It. Of course, well, that's a conversation for another time. But just like the evolution of baseball again. Like I've spoken about this. Like me and James have touched on it. Pres, like we always talk about the evolution of football and the evolution of basketball. Like baseball, I don't think is a sport that gets enough of that evolution talk because literally, like these guys are so different now. Like it, you were lucky to have one relief pitcher that could throw like in the mid to high nineties. Like if they could do that. Nowadays, like kind of like what we said, when we need 10 relievers sometimes on a team, half those guys can go in the 90s with their best stuff. So it's just a crazy thing to see. And it's not a surprise that a lot of these you know top tier teams are stocking up on that because come the postseason, like, hey, you don't know what the situation could be. If your starter, like we said, like guys don't go deep. But if your starter has an off night, they have like they can only go three innings somehow or they start to feel something, you know, maybe off in the shoulder and the manager doesn't want to risk it. it like, hey bullpen game which i think that's also been a more common thing in recent years the bullpen game the brewers tried to do some funny stuff with that game six a couple years ago against the dodgers they got smacked in that game then smacked in that game seven so hey milwaukee that the sins of the past you know i think people learn from that but of course we talk about you know the big moves in the nl west we're gonna stay in the nl really fast but we're gonna dive a little bit into the al because you know they're Two New York teams really, really made some moves during this deadline, and both of them were the benefactors, and of course the team from the NLS was as well, by a certain team in the middle of America just absolutely blowing the team to King Daka and back. And I, this is what I want Portland to do in the NBA. This is what I want teams to do when it's time. We talked about the Nationals not living in their glory days, which smart. Thank you, Washington. Again, we thank you for the listens to the show. But the Chicago Cubs fully tore everything down they burned it all down to the ground so i'm just going to run through these trades really fast and we're going to however we want to attack it we'll go from there guys but anthony rizzo you know this season had 14 homers for the team up to that point traded to the new york yankees for alexander viscaino and calvin alcantara pretty good return for the cubs javier baez and trevor williams funny enough were sent to the new york metropolitans for this is the main guy, Pete Crow Armstrong. I'll let James say whatever about him when it comes to picking apart that deal. Chris Bryant was sent over to the San Francisco Giants for Caleb Killian and Alexander Canario. And then something that it really got overshadowed by, by all these deals. It was Craig Kimbrell being moved. He doesn't have to go that far, though. He's just going to the other side of Chicago. The Chicago White Sox yeah. made a deal for him trading two prospects as well. So just complete tear down chef's kiss i love to see it by what, what the cubs did so fellas we're gonna take it from here james we could go in whatever direction you want when it comes to breaking down these deals but hey chicago cubs we talked about it they finally did it that roster from 2016 
is no more. It's actually kind of sad when you really think about it because it's like you look at all three of them, the big names, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Javi Baez, all three of them hit a home run on their first day with their new teams, which is kind of just insane. Like, I don't think that's ever, once again, a new stat in the history of MLB. I don't think that's ever happened the same way. It's just been the craziest tread deadline. And it's kind of sad because even if you weren't a Chicago fan, you were a fan of one of those teams back in 2016 when it was Cleveland and Chicago, and neither team had won for God knows how many years, 60-plus years, whatever it was. Uh, 108 for the Cubs and, like, 75 for the for Cleveland. Exactly. And so, like, you were picking one of these underdog teams to win the championship, and, like, the Cubs, they were just a fun team to watch, man. That team was great. Literally, just all the personalities, the talent on that team, They, it's kind of upsetting. They really let them down, and just they weren't able to pull another run. And that's just that's more due to the pitching. I'm not gonna. We're not gonna get deep into this. We can talk about another episode. But it, it's sad to see, but it's exciting to see because all these players were kind of. I don't want to say playing bad because you had Chris Bryant who was on fire, but they were in in a little slump. They weren't playing their best abilities. But now they're on their new team, and as we've seen with these home runs, it might be too quick to tell, but. It looks like all these players got rejuvenated because they could see, all right, I'm part of a winning team again. Let's see what I can bring to this team, especially since I already know that championship mentality. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And I think, obviously, I'm a Yankees fan. I'm always going to rock with the Yankees. But it's like 2016 with the Cubs. I think I think a lot of people were rooting for the Cubs to finally do yeah. it. And they were down 3-1 that series, too. So it was like, ah, they got so close and yet so far and they come back and they win. That and was win. arguably, sorry to interrupt you first. That was arguably from a memory of all the world series I've ever watched. That was the best world series I've ever seen. And I think that yeah. multiple people, even people who watched like back in the seventies and all yeah, that would say yeah. the same thing. That, that game seven going to extras. Yes. Like that, yes. that's, oh, yeah. that's Rajay Davis home run off. Chapman, uh-huh. it's yep. like, it just, everything about that. Even if, you weren't a Cubs fan or an Indians fan. You were on your toes because you were like, where is this game going? Like, it was – and then the rain delay, it was just – like it was a crazy game. Like, And it's what you want in a game seven – in a seven-game series, game seven between two teams, like we mentioned before. One team hasn't won a championship in a century. Another one hasn't won in three quarters of a century. And it's like only one of these teams is ending a curse, Right. That's 200 years of sadness in one like, world series. Yeah, it's a lot of – and, like, the Cubs, all the heartbreak the Cubs have been through. And then the Indians, like, Indians have just as much heartbreak as the Cubs do. Like, they've had some heartbreaking game seven against the Marlins in, in 97. Like, you know, Jose Mesa giving up the hit, base hit to uh, – um, uh, I forgot the guy's name. They got the hit. But but it's just crazy how it all – it's over. Because we've been hearing this about for a little bit. Like, they might blow it up. They might blow it up. They might blow it up. And you're like, okay, when is it going to happen? They still keep it on Chris Bryan. You know, he was an MVP, what, 2015, 2016? You know, and he had some down years. And then this year playing well, Rizzo is just like, you know, it was solid. And Baez is, you know, a great player himself and can be one of the faces. Like, he's such an energetic player. And I remember the tag where he had in the World Baseball Classic, you know, when Yadier threw, like, threw him and he pointing at Yadier, always tagging. And, like, he's such a great player to have. And it's just – it's over. Yeah. It's officially over. And that's what happens when you go all in to try to win a championship. Because they, listen, they traded Chat for Chapman. 
yeah. midseason from the Yankees. They gave away Glaber Torres, right? That was their top. I was one of the top prospects. Yeah. Either one or two in the whole farm system, in the whole you know of all baseball. And they just made a lot of moves to win a championship. And it just felt like they went all in. They win their championship, but it's like it came with a price. Right. That the next few years we're going to be struggling. And the next year, I think they got to the NLCS. And then each year, it just got worse and worse yeah. and worse. And then it's just like, all right, you just got to blow it up. And Chris Bryant was a free agent, is a free agent. Javi's a free agent. I think Rizzo, I don't know if Rizzo, Rizzo's a free agent too. He might be, yeah. Yeah, Rizzo's a free agent. It just, you had to just finally blow it. And I know the, the they had Rizzo, I mean, not Rizzo, um, Chris Bryant getting the phone call while he was still in his Cubs gear. And it's like, wow, it's over. Yeah. And, like, it's emotional. And it's like, wow, that's sad. Like, spend your whole career, you get drafted top five by them, you know, and you win a champion. Like, you know, we're not. I'm not a big Joe Buck fan, but, like, that call, to me, Amazing. is the best call ever. You know, Brian, to Rizzo, the Cubs win the World Series. Like, it's like, wow. Like, it, but, you know, it came at a price. But, and listen, I know people are like, oh, they shouldn't have done all that. It's like, you guys won a world championship, and now yeah. you just got to retool and figure this out and try to get back to you know back to the World Series. But it's crazy how. And then they all hit a home run their first. I mean, watching the watching Rizzo like curveball hanging, and he just takes that to to right deep to right field was was great. And he's so infectious, and I think that's yeah. what the Yankees needed. They needed mm-hmm. some life. It felt like they were so dead, and the Yankees have kind of been like that for a little bit. And it just finally he he added that what he added to the Cubs, why he was such a big factor. And to me, that was very important. And Javi's going to do the same thing with the Mets. Oh, yeah. He's gonna, Mets fans are going to love Javi. Uh, I'm excited. Gonna, him and Lindor together. You, you already love him. Like He's going to be so much energy for them. And then for the Giants with, with Chris Bryant, that he's going to add a lot of value to him as, with his bat. All good moves by all those teams. But uh, it's, it's it's sad that you know it's an end of an era for the Chicago Cubs. But uh, you know we'll see what they do. But good moves by the teams that picked them up. Like I, I love the Rizzo move already. Like he might be my favorite Yankee already. He just brings so much energy and playful and like is just you need that. You need that. And uh, that's um what that's what they're gonna bring to their prospective teams. You know uh, and they're all in pennant races. Some good moves by those teams. And uh, but yeah man, a couple things is it's over. You know same thing yeah. with the Indians too. Like the Indians. Run they're gone, yeah. trading. But, like, nah, but their run, their run was their run was over a while ago, though. That's true. Because yeah, they, like, they, they, they were they a much like older year, team like, when they went to that World over, Series. Like, yeah, no, over, no. over. Like when they traded Lindor, it was like, oh, it's over. Yeah, you know, uh, and that's <laughs> it's gonna be Jose Ramirez and all that. But it's crazy. It's over. It's comes things is over. But it was fun. It was a fun little ride for them. a lot of the, the talk. Probably summarized there. By the way, also real quick, I forget which one of them mentioned it. Uh, since the trade by it may have been Chris Bryan. Like he was actually giving a lot of credit to the Cubs organization for sending the three of them all mm-hmm. relatively near where like their families are like Chris Bryan with his family in the West coast, uh, Rizzo or Baez, like one of them has their family in the metropolitan area, uh, Craig Kimbrell as well. Like they just a lot of praise for like doing right by their guys. Like I- I'm sure, you know, they don't, they probably didn't have to, but they probably listened to all of them. It's like, where do you want to go? It's like, okay, if you want to go here, we will send you here. And, like, th- that's honestly just good by them for doing that's, right by their players. You don't was, see that a lot because we, yeah. we, we all we, we know sports. We've seen some shady stuff by by GMs and owners that they'll send a player to nowhere, yeah. you know, and it's, like, it's not fair and, like, it sucks because, I mean, that's the toughest part is 
you're established in one spot and then you have to move to an area where you're like, what, what, where? Right. Where? <laughs> Seriously? Like I'm going I, there? Like it, it just that's the crappy part. But at least the Cubs, you know, they sent their guys who were huge parts of their franchise and organs and helped them win a championship. Yeah, they did the right thing mm-hmm. and put them in position. Hey, you know, we're gonna try our best to put you in spots where hey, you're gonna be on a contender teams. So you're not just going to a bad another bad team simply because you got a good offer. You're going some places where you guys are going to feel comfortable playing, and we're going to do the, try to do the best thing. So you got to give the Cubs credit for that, for doing the right thing, you know, because yeah. that doesn't happen. That does not happen in sports. It really, really doesn't. So coming off that, we'll kind of we'll go through each of them really fast here. So when it comes to the Chris Bryant part really quick, because, of course, with the Yankees and the Mets fan here, we're going to mainly talk about those two. But just really quick on the Bryant stuff, I think it was a great deal by the Giants. Just add another hitter into that lineup. Like you said, like I think Chris Bryant bringing that championship experience to this Giants team. A couple guys still there from their championship years, but just another guy that's done it. Like like you mentioned, Prez, rookie season and a rookie of the year, and then the following season he's the NL MVP. One of the very few players to win rookie of the year and MVP in back to back seasons yep. uh, by him. I think just another bat, just another guy there. Don't know off the top of my head if he's ever won a Gold Glove, maybe, but if not, it's like still pretty solid. Like he's going to do his job for the Giants. He's going to help them try because I think. For the time being, they have a slim lead over the Dodgers at the moment. I think a couple game lead over them in the NL West. And they're I'm sure the Giants. Three up on the Dodgers right now. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a slim lead. So if you're the Giants, you, you got to try to do everything you can, especially after they got Scherzer to stay above them. So that's what uh, Bryant's going to help with that, uh, as well as Tony Watson out the bullpen. Just overall solid moves by San Fran. And you love it from that perspective. But of course. Let's move on to the main two. So, James, we're going to start it off with you, and you can talk all you want. How excited were you to hear the news that Javier Baez is going to be in New York Mets? And just overall, like, how are your feelings about the Mets? And, you know, what did this trade deadline – I'm sure – I think we could all agree the Mets are probably the Mets are probably going to win their division. So, uh, what did this deal uh, yeah, do for you for but... – But I'm just saying, wait, what did this deal – what did the deadline do for you for, like, you know, going further? Because, obviously, you, you want more than just the division this year. No, it made me feel the trade for Javi Baez. First of all, I was on the golf course when I checked my phone. I saw it. I literally yelled. Some guy was putting like in the next hole. He was pissed. But hey, I had Javi Baez. I was wearing my Mets golf shirt. It was a great day. Except my score wasn't that great. But honestly, jerk, I don't know if the Mets have that the division in the bag as much anymore because we're losing our pitchers left and right, especially that the Grom hit. That's the biggest thing right there. And not only that, but you had the Phillies add Ian Kennedy to their bullpen, and you got the Braves where they didn't make a, a huge splash moves, but they added guys to their outfield and guys who could hit that's going to help them. And it's good depth, and it's going to help. Not It's not going to replace Ronald Cunha because you can't replace Ronald Cunha at all. But it's going to come close to it. Right. They traded Adam Duvall where when they traded for him, at that moment he was actually the league leader in RBIs. You also have Jose Aguilar, who's – he's no slouch at all. I think they added uh, Jorge Soler. They they added a bunch of power bats, and they replaced everything that they needed because they not only lost Mar- uh, Ronald Acuna, but they also lost Marcelo Zunia uh, due yeah. to his off-the-field issues. So, overall, man, I'm, I'm a little scared. Right. I'm happy, though, we got Javier Baez because if they didn't make that move, I feel like it was a move that – it was kind of a reactive move. Right. You knew the Mets were going to make a move, but maybe they were looking at Chris Bryant and then due to everything that happened, they said, you know what, Javi Baez is probably the better fit here because then we could push him to second when Lindor comes back and he could replace Lindor not only as a bat, but he could replace him as shortstop, which is going to help us out, especially with 
all our pitchers going down because you always want that shortstop to be your defensive anchor right there, yeah. if not your third baseman. Real quick, on just because you're talking about it, this is the brief mention, by the way, for Toronto fans. Uh, Jose Barrios was traded to the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, pretty good. By the way, Minnesota, they got some solid prospects mm-hmm. in a couple of their deals. Just real quick shout out to them. Uh, how did you feel? Because you retweeted it as well, Bars. It's like uh, when the Jose Barrios like rumors were circulating, like when they were getting very up there. It's like, Yankees, Mets, y'all going to get in on this? Because it's like, especially with the injuries to the Mets, it really feels like Jose Barrios, he could have just been like a perfect guy to put there. He'd be the temporary number one with DeGrom and dealing with his stuff. But then he'd be like the number two or even the number three. Like him and Stroman as the temporary one and two before you get fully healthy again, not bad. So like, do you think, I don't want to say this too harshly, but do you think the Mets will regret not, you know, really swinging for the fences and going after him? I mean, I think they're going to regret it, but at the same time, as much as I wanted them to make the Barrios move, it probably wasn't the smart move to make for them due to what it was going to cost them. But realistically, I would have gone for a bullpen arm. Brad Hand was out there. Daniel Hudson was out there. A bunch of other, uh, Joe, uh, Joe Kim Sore was out there. And what I'm more shocked is the Yankees made no attempts to try and get Jose Barrios because I feel like Jose Barrios was much more of a need for them than it was for the Mets. I'm actually, I'm going to be completely honest with you, Prez. When the Joey Gallo trade happened, I liked it. I didn't love it. I, I was actually a bunch of question marks about it. But then once they added Rizzo, I said, okay, I like it a lot more now. But they uh, they should have threw in an arm somewhere, especially Jose Barrios. I think the Yankees should have been all in on Jose Barrios once they found out they were out of contention for the Max Scherzer race. How do well, you feel, Prez? What do you think would have been the better – who would have been a good target for them to look at? If not Jose Barrios, should they have gone bullpen arms? I wanted Barrios. I've been wanting Barrios for years. He's just one of my favorite pitchers. I would have loved them. It, it probably just cost way too much. They were probably auction for major league rating players. I heard a crazy thing that they wanted uh, Dominguez. I don't know if it was them or, or or the Rockies. It was one of them that somebody wanted Dominguez from the Yankees. And obviously, you're not touching Dominguez unless, you know, <laughs> you're getting Fernando Tatis or Mike Trout or someone of that caliber. But I would have loved Barrios. I think they would have helped. The rotation, but I, I could see what why they didn't go after because guys are coming back. Severino's coming back, so they're getting some guys back. So I could see. Obviously, you can add some bullpen, but like you said, bullpen is a premium, so you're paying a premium price. I go even go back to Chapman when we trading Chapman for the Cubs. Like we got a top prospect for Chapman for a half a year rental just to get him right back. You know that was a fleece, you know, in, in a sense, but. I like the moves the Yankees made. So uh, obviously adding some arms would have been great, but you know, I think Loisaga has been really good for them, you know, solid. So maybe they're hoping Britain, they could fix Britain because Britain just came but, back. So maybe yeah. they, they're thinking that and chat. Well, Andrew, he, Andrew Heaney as well, because they acquired him from yeah. the angels. Like maybe he, yeah, yeah. Heaney's solid. He That's solid you know, uh, so I'm not sure how I feel about Heaney though, because he has a, uh, case of the home run-itis where he'll give up a, he tends to give a lot of home runs and you know you get a little worried on a, of a guy like that especially when he's playing in the stadium that you can hit the most home runs in I mean I'm pretty sure all three of us get a home run at Yankee Stadium we really tried <laughs> so it's you know I was a little questioning on that move but what I do like that is helping them out and hopefully it, it continues to last because this is going to be a major part of their run is you got Jamison Talion who actually was low-key. I think he won. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jerk. He won a AL Pitcher of the Month or Week. It was one of the two accolades, but he was one of them. He, he's he been great. 
He's been honestly the best pitcher coming for the Yankees as of recent. His last few Garrett starts Cole. have been really good. He's been really good the last few starts. So yeah. he's a good pickup. Like I said, I think they're wrote I think they look at their rotation. They're getting guys back. So why pay a premium for Jose Barrett? Like, is it going to cost you? It's going to be really costly. The Blue Jays gave up some nice prospects. I think they gave up uh, one of the top prospects they drafted last year. So they gave up a lot to, for Barrios. And um, yeah. so maybe they just said it was just too rich. You know, they, you know, um, like I said, they got guys coming back. So maybe they're comfortable with, with that. Like I said, Italians pitching well. Guys are playing. They're, just, they're playing better baseball. So maybe that helped that, you know, they just happened to start playing the way they should have been playing all year. And, and that didn't cloud their judgments, but um, I would have loved Barrios. He's, I think he would have added to this rotation, but you know, it, it, it definitely would have cost a lot. So maybe they just didn't feel like it was worthy to give up a whole bunch of prospects after just giving up a bunch of prospects to get Rizzo and um, Joey Gallo and Gallo. You know, um, so maybe they were just like it's just too much. Yeah, could Pitch, be too pitcher much. of the month. By the way, you were right, James. He was pitcher of the month, Italian. Yeah, the- he's been great. So what I what I think is insane is we're talking about NL West is going to be a bloodbath over there, but realistically, we're looking at the AL East. It's going to be insane going down to the second half of the season because you had all the teams aside from really the Red Sox. Even they added somebody, but Schwarber who won't be playing for a couple of weeks. But still, you have the Red Sox adding a power bat. You had the Blue Jays where they had a filthy lineup already. It's a deadly lineup, but their pitching was a little questionable. You had them add Jose Barrios. They were the ones who ended up winning the sweepstakes. Adding Joe Kim Soria, who was a closer for the Diamondbacks. Now he's going to be your setup man, if not just a regular bullpen arm. And Brad Hand, who most likely uh, he's either going to be a setup man or the closer. So you had them bolster the weakest part of their offense. And they're right now currently a game and a half behind the Yankees. But you had the Yankees adding those two bats, and it looks like their offense is finally coming alive. I, you don't even know what to predict anymore, man, because realistically, we said it a couple weeks ago, Jerk. It's a four-team race in this division, and it's even now, a couple weeks later, it's still a four-team race, and it could be anyone's division. You feel comfortable saying the Rays are the best team in this division? But it's not by much, especially due to the fact that their pitching is weakened now. Especially, yeah, Glass now being out for the yeah. year really concerns me now. Like, it, the the Rays, very slowly, you're starting to have some concerns about them. Very slowly. And honestly, like, for the Yankees, like, even if they can't catch up in the division, they are slow. They slowly have a chance here to try to catch up to the Oakland Athletics, who yeah. are – they have 60 wins, the Yankees have 56. Like, the Athletics for a while now, I think – maybe I could be wrong – but, like, for a good bit, they've recently had, like, average stretches of play. Like, in their last 10, they're just 5-5. Five and five. I think a couple weeks ago I saw they were 4-6 and six in a 10-game stretch. If the Yankees could just slowly get back to this, like, the Yankees have won three in a row, they're 6-4 and four in their last 10. If the Yankees can build these little streaks and the A's continue to play about 500-level ball, they could take the second wild-card spot from them for sure. And then the, the first one belonging to whoever between Tampa and Boston. So it, 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 more than real shot, the Yankees, like after all these concerns, they'll end up making the playoffs this year. Yeah, but I just feel like with the Yankees, and even if they do sneak into that wild card, I, there's still so many questions about this team going forward. And I know Yankee fans don't want to hear this, and it's the dreaded R word, but I, I've been saying that a rebuild – is something that you might have to do. Hey, the Cubs did it, are doing it. Nationals are doing it. I know 
that's not what Yankee fans want to hear, but it's just like we're doing these moves just to get by, just to try to stay afloat, mm-hmm. you know? So we're fighting. We're doing all these moves just to maybe, you know, like we're what, two and a half, three and a half behind the, the Oakland, the, the A's right now. Like we're going to do all these moves and still might not even get a wild card spot. And then what? You know, we got – you know, a lot of the guys that everyone thought the Yankees were going to be pop and be stars, Judge is 29, Sanchez is 28, 29, Severino is always hurt. You know, Glaber is, we're not sure anymore about him, what his upside is, but we thought he'd be Javi Baez. Well, if he could play 162 games against the Baltimore Orioles, he he's going to be one of the best players yeah, of all time. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the king. He, he might be the greatest <laughs> player of all time if he just plays. You know, he might hit 70, 80 home runs if it's just the, the um, Baltimore Orioles. But it's just like I've been on this for a few years with them. It's like, all right, we keep losing, you know, first round or, or in the ALCS, and it's just like repetitive. Like this is the first decade. The 2010s is the first decade they didn't even reach a World Series. And then this year, it's like, I know people don't want to hear it, but that that rebuild, like, I know in baseball, it's hard to rebuild. Like, it's not like basketball where you get the, you can, you know, you get the number one pick and that guy's going to be able to to help you immediately. Baseball is obviously, you could be the number one pick and you never reach the big leagues. And that's a whole nother yep. thing. And I heard you guys talking about, you know, and I hope in the CBA they fix that because it takes way too long to get to the big leagues and then you get paid. You know, Judge is going to be 29 and, Still has another year of our, you know, uh, of control, and it's like he's gonna be thirty by the time he gets paid. It's it's kind of dude's getting dude is getting paid peanuts. Like he should have been able to be a free agent after his rookie year with fifty five homers. Like yeah. how many millions of dollars has he lost because Dirt, of how they do? That? I've been it, saying so this. I hate the way baseball is structured, like the minor league system. It's too many levels and all. Like and you see and you saw how they covered the draft issue. They covered the draft as if it was the NFL or the NBA draft. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but they made it like a big thing. Mm -hmm. So like, I I think they're finally maybe realizing, okay, we got to change the way the system is, but that's a whole, I could go a whole nother show. You could do a whole hour long. That that might be next week's show, honestly. Hey, hey, that's a great topic to cover uh, because I've been on that, but finish off with the Yankees. Even with all these moves, Gallo, Rizzo, it's good now, but what about the future? A lot of their prospects, like Dominguez, right? He's 17. He's nowhere near ready. And like guys like Debbie Garcia, who we thought had high upside, that high upside is not there no more. So it's just that word, man, the R word, rebuild. I know I know, Yankee fans don't want to hear it, but if they don't make the playoffs this year, what are you going to do? Just try to you know sign a bunch of free agents and just see if that works? It's like, are you going to sign Judge long-term? What are you going to do with Glaber or Catcher? You know, you might, you know, if you don't believe in Sanchez no more, catchers don't grow on trees, you know, <laughs> you know, they're hard to develop, you know, there's, there's not a lot of great, ca- I mean, Yadi is still doing it, but he's, you know, he's, uh, he's the goat though. He's a different <laughs> breed of cat. He's a different breed of human. He's not a real human. It's still, all these moves are good for now, but it's just long-term. I still don't, it's, it's going to be rough. It's going to, it's going to have to come down to, to uh, Mr. Steinbrenner to be like, guys, we we got we gotta we gotta do it. We gotta we gotta rebuild. You know, the last time they rebuilt was thirty years ago. They haven't drafted really good. Let's be real. Let's, George mm-hmm. is a first round pick. That's it. That's it. That's the only person they've developed. 
No pitching development. Everyone they gets traded. Good. They trade everyone. <laughs> they, they trade everyone. Still, but they don't develop guys. Like it's not like those guys even. So that their scouting department is off because they don't. Even the guys they trade, those guys never pop. So like you're doing a bad job of drafting, obviously. So things got to change, or else they're just going to be stuck and just have to. Oh, we got to go get a a Gallo type or a Rizzo type, a rental. And it's good now. They're playing better. They're actually losing right now to the Orioles as we speak, but. I long term, they have to fix it or fix a lot because this isn't going to work long term. Like it's it's fine now, but you know, hey, I see the Cubs doing it. I see the Nationals doing it. I know it's not a popular opinion, <laughs> but I'm off. I'm all for it. Right. I'm willing to, but obviously, Yankee fans were spoiled for yeah. the most part, and we're not used to that. But they've been spoiled for like a good century, so. To, to throw around that word, it's like you, if it's like Yankees fans' grandparents are rolling over in their graves, like hearing that right now. Yeah, so. but it's sometimes a re- you want to you want to get back to that nineties right. when you're winning mm-hmm. four championships in five years. That's how they did it. Because remember, the Yankees yeah. weren't good for you know before ninety five. They were garbage <laughs> for like like the whole eighties. They crap right. you know, end of the set. So like, hey, sometimes you gotta br- break it down to get back up, and yeah. you know. But that's just me. I, I'm, hey, I'm all for it. Our um, show agrees. Our show yeah. fully agrees with that. This Weird. is a pro-rebuild show. <laughs> oh, I'm pro-rebuild. You know, I'm with the Giants. I was like, let's rebuild with New York Giants, with the, with the Knicks. We've done plenty of that. So I'm used to rebuilds, and I'm ready for it with the Yankees. But I don't know if they're ready for it. That's the problem. Bars, final words, my man. I'm impressed at it all. Uh, you got these rentals, and yes, it's it's working out great now. Yes, it's only been three days, and it looks like it's working out amazingly. But End of the day, you need arms when you get into the postseason. So all these big bats, they kind of they look good, they work good. It's just you're depending too much on the offense when postseason is all about pitching. Offense wins you regular season, pitching wins you postseason. And like Fred said, you got Anthony Rizzo, who he's gonna make possibly the Cubs possibly about to have a a la Aroldis Chapman over here because they just traded Rizzo. And rumor has it, from what I heard today on the radio, is. Clubs are already talking about maybe when he's done this year, he comes back to Chicago because realistically Rizzo didn't want to leave either. He loved Chicago, like we were saying earlier. And you got Joey Gallo, and yes, he has a great contract because he has one more year of arbitration. But after that one more year, what are you looking at? So realistically, if the Yankees don't look good next year, that he might be a trade candidate again. So like Pred said, it's a lot of the farm system doesn't look good and what do look good, it's way too young and – the scouts aren't making the right calls. So, unfortunately, yes, you got to pull that R word. You got to rebuild. As much as Yankee fans don't want to hear it, you got to do it. We mentioned that at the end of last week's episode, Jerk. We threw it in real quick. You hated me for the editing, but it had to it be. It wasn't said. that bad. It wasn't that bad. This <laughs> one, though, I'm going to talk to you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but regardless, speaking of the end of the episode, unfortunately, guys, for this week, this is it. There was way too much trade deadline stuff. Who knows? Maybe there's a Bars Talks episode to talk more about it. Maybe we just continue it on to next week because there is just so much going on. We only covered like half a day of the trade deadline. There's still like another week left to cover of just insane moves. But we covered the big ones here. You guys know where to follow us. Twitter, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Prez. Shout out everything you do because, you know, every as the president, it's the great work you are besides just creating the network. You also have the amazing podcast you do, the Off the Ball. Let everybody know where they catch you. Yeah, yeah. First of all, thanks for having me on. It's always good to, to switch it up and talk baseball. You know, I'm so used to basketball, but and basketball's been 
crazy these last few weeks. And today, just doing the free agent show was crazy, but it's it's basketball's coming towards the end, you know, uh, but it's good to talk baseball and all that. But yeah, you can follow me off the ball pod, obviously on, on Twitter, probably the most active. Um, real LeBron 89 is my real, I don't even, I barely use that one. I've been so, I'm off the ball. Everyone knows me as off the ball. So uh, I just used off the ball. Obviously, follow us at offtheballnetwork.com for your sports needs, OTB underscore network. You know, uh, Edgar's been killing it with the, keeping up to date with these crazy trends. Literally, six o'clock hit, you know, Derek, we were on six o'clock hit, and it was like boom, 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 boom. So he's been on it. He killed it today, keeping up with all the breaking news. But yeah. Just did that show. So if you want to check that out, free agent show, we recapped some of the earlier uh, signings and uh, predictions that we had earlier. So uh, to go check out that, like I said, uh, I had a bunch of draft stuff. So if you guys want to go back to see what I got wrong, you could do that. But uh, just just make sure to go to offtheballnetwork.com. Um, and uh, we got some great stuff in the works as far as content. So check that out. But I appreciate you guys having me on. We are always thankful. You, Stephen, Mo, just anyone, whenever you guys come on, it's always good. It's always amazing to talk with guys at the network. It's good to be a part of this network. This is the best four-letter network in sports. We're going to keep pushing it forever. And last thing, James, of course, usually does the outro. I'll let James do the proper outro. But like you mentioned earlier, Prez, when you came on, the Off the Ball Network one-year anniversary is very soon. That's coming up, too. Yeah, yeah, next a week from today. And there are special plans for that. Obviously, we can't wait to see it because, like, so – You you guys work so hard, like, just to get to one year, like you said, it's hard to believe, and it can only go up from here, man. You might see some waterworks. You might – you might see some water work. Like it's crazy. A year, like it's sometimes it hits me. It's like wow, a year, and then like just to see the growth. Like there's not a lot of other like independent networks that have grown this much in just a year. You know, uh, so it, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good one. You know, because it's not. It's, we're not gonna be talking sports. We're just gonna. It's a show where everyone's going to hop on. We're going to talk about some of the best moments, some of the wildest moments we've had. You know, we've some of the wildest takes. You know, maybe we'll we'll, we'll show bars memes. You know, bars became a meme. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. I, I could. I could try to get. I could try to get a little bit of audio of a little misstep here or two from BNB. I could try. I could try. Yeah, to do yeah. That you know, we'll, we'll we'll crack jokes. We'll you know, uh, hot takes. You know, Cruz and his hot takes and all that. Mo and his wildness and his his crazy stuff where he says, you know, uh, about things and everything, but it's going to be a great show. We're going to have fun. Everyone's going to chop it up. And, uh, but it's a special, it's going to be a special, special day. Cause it's, I didn't think we'd get a year. I didn't think we'd get a month after a month. Like I said, a few months, I was like, what the heck am I doing? But <laughs> it gets to a year and it's going to be, it's going to be a fun night. So uh, I'm yes. looking forward to that. Speaking of fun bars, take us home, my man. Man, I'll just, I'm about to cry. <laughs> I was just touching, man. But, of course, once more, thank you for coming, Prez. We appreciate you. Thank you for creating this, as always. Next week, we're going to have our own big thing here, too. We'll figure it out. We'll coordinate something. It's going to be crazy, of course. But, once again, guys, follow us, uh, Spotify, Apple. Please like, subscribe, review, five-star, listen for a minute. I just want to listen, please. I know. Uh, the voice it we're working on it maybe i'll make my voice a little deeper but regardless it's the dawn of baseball it's the president off the ball network and it is jerk the ice man until next week guys peace